This is episode eight of Paper Cut for May 24th, 2021. Welcome to episode eight of Paper Cut, the Nyack Library's podcast. I'm Tracy Dunstan. I'm Georgia Grandstaff. And I'm Rosemary Farrell. Uh, this episode is all about our Black American Culture and Art series, which started in December of 2019, largely through the efforts of our head of adult services, Tracy Dunstan. <laughs> it's ongoing as well. And coming up in June, we have four events planned that are aligned with the celebration of Juneteenth. Uh, many people might not know about this, the Bacchus and the Juneteenth series. So we wanted to discuss its inspiration and evolution with Tracy. So people know Bacchus is how we refer to the Black American Culture Art series when we're talking about it, um, because obviously it's kind of a mouthful. So just so everyone knows what we are talking about. Tracy, you sort of are like the head of this whole program. So we're going to be asking you questions. So how did the Bacchus program get started? Um, Minerva Parker, who's the um, assistant to director at the library, she was had a conversation with Angela um, right when Angela first started, maybe two years ago now, I guess, about Black History Month. She'd spoken to Cora Wilder, who used to be a board trustee, about having more Black American or Black American or Black History Month projects. At this point, I'm kind of fuzzy in how it got from being like having that discussion to being a program, but. Um, we talked about it a couple of times, uh, Dr. Wilder, me, Minerva, and Angela, and it was going to be a movie series at one point. It was going to be um, during Black History Month and just like a, you know, starting from then and a year long series where we were just going to show different because um, Dr. Wilder ha also has a really large um, DVD collection. But then um, when, when Toni Morrison died on August 5th in 2019, uh, we decided that it would be kind of it would be good to take the original idea and kind of expand it into an, something to honor Dr. Morrison. So yeah, and then it became the Black American Culture and Art series, The Legacy of Toni Morrison. We kind of went back and forth for a while figuring out that title, but that's what we ended up with, the Bacchus program. And then um, from there, we I had some good co collaborations with a bunch of people in the community to kind of come up with ideas for the programs, because we ended up having 19 programs, three oral histories, 24 presenters, 11 uh, children participated, and 688 participants all together. Yeah, so it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> it ended up being, our original goal was 275. But as I'll get to later, because of the pandemic, we ended up reaching a lot more people, which was nice. I worked with uh, Donna and Morgan from the library. They did one program for, for teens and children each. Um, Morgan did a, like a bullet journal on Toni Morrison's birthday. And Aldana did a, um, like a story time based on one of uh, Toni Morrison's books. And then I've also worked with you guys, Rosemary in Georgia, and Bill Batts and Nikki Hines, Matthew at Rivertown Films, Betty Perry did the transcription for the oral histories, Brenda Ross did a program, Lori Martin, Tracy Ann Williams, um, and then Leotine Temsky, if I'm saying her name correctly, she, did, she interviewed people for the oral histories. And our partners were the Historical Society, Rivertown Film, the Village of Nyack, Tony Morrison Society, the Black, I mean, the River River Writers Circle, uh, Nike Sketchlog, and then Valley Cottage did a book discussion. Rosemary and I did a book discussion with them. Um, when was it, Rosemary? In the summer? Maybe? That might have been in September. Yeah, I think so. Everything is such a blur now. Right? <laughs> the past year. <laughs> yeah, that's how, how I got started. It ended up being um, also 
Dr. Wilder has a large collection of um, African-American memorabilia. So she also wanted to incorporate that too. And that ended up being our first program. So obviously it went well. You decided to keep it going after that first sort of set of programs, which by the way, if anybody wants more information about, um, you can, we have a dedicated page two series on our website. So you can look at um, information on all the past programs that we had and all the upcoming programs. So after the like initial year of the series, you know, ran out, like what made you want to continue it? Part of it was um, a lot of the, we did serve because part of the, we got a grant for the program and part of it was that they required us to do some sort of survey after each program. And a lot of the responses we got said things like that made them feel understood, validated. They thought it was relevant to today's needs. One person said, um, I think they were, they centered the black experience. Another person said it offers a window to the complex lives of African-Americans. And I thought that it was, you know, obviously people felt like they were being seen. So I wanted to continue that for another year. And luckily Rosemary agreed with me. So we, we ended up doing a, um, maybe, well, I guess if you count Juneteenth, it's probably around almost the same amount of programs, but it was, you know, a little bit shortened, but still decided to do another year of it. So the, the theme of the first year was obviously like sort of based around Toni Morrison. So what is the theme of this year? Nyack Foundation's Exploring the Black Family, which we've kind of expanded to mean a whole bunch of different ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Luckily, it's very, um, it can encompass a lot of different specific topics, which is one of the reasons we liked it. (laughs) Because we have the Juneteenth, we had um, this book discussion with Maisie Card, which was uh, her book, They Ghost Our Family which was kind of a, that was probably, I think, the most tailored to the topic, I think. But yeah, but it's been really fun. We've done, you know, a bunch of different things so far. Yeah, we had, in addition to that, the Maisie Card discussion, which was great because she came to the, this, the book discussion. Uh, we also had, in February, a, f- a photography exhibit, a virtual photography exhibit with um, Colette Fournier called Retrospective Spirit of a People, which was really fantastic it was a like a lot of you know about an hour and a half of of her work um in uh nova scotia in um new orleans after hurricane katrina and then also pictures from from west africa and uh then we had a also had a lecture about madam cj walker who was a first african-american self-made millionaire and that sort of tied in with the theme in that her one of her daughters was became an architect and helped design her manor house, which I believe, if it isn't open yet, it it will be open soon in Westchester. Um, I forget exactly the town it's in, but it's a national historical landmark. And then we also had a really great with with um, Bill Bill Batson again, who's been. I I don't even have the words for how much he's helped us (laughs) throughout ever since I started doing the programming, but he interviewed Preston Powell, who's a local, he's like amazing human being with this incredible life of, of being a DJ and then um, uh, martial arts master and teacher. And he runs a a um, a dojo in town teaches karate. He runs his tea, tea tea business, but uh, Bill Batson and him did it. Bill Batson interviewed him. And he's also related to Adam, his grandfather's Adam Clayton Powell, the third. So that also ties in with the black family theme, but that was a lot of fun. And also a really interesting program about Mount Moore Cemetery, 
which is located in basically in the parking lot of the Palisades Palisades Mall in West Nyack, but it's uh, devoted to African-American Civil War soldiers and the efforts to honor them and to have the headstones um, refurbished or completely redone and to bring more attention to that that space because a lot of people don't know it exists. It's kind of amazing because a lot of these programs really sort of double as local history programs. And Mm -hmm. it's just so great that you guys have been able to collaborate with these people and really like bring light to a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of people don't even know exist around here or Mm -hmm. things that happened around here. Yeah, those were all great programs. And a lot of them we recorded, right? Yeah, a lot of them are on the web. Uh, most of most of the ones from last year are on I, and our recordings page, and I think a yeah. couple of the ones for this year too. Yeah, definitely. the The bulk of them, I think, are up there, which is great. So, what has been your favorite program so far? It's hard to pick one, but I think the first one we did is probably like the one that means the most to me. I think just it was the one inspired by Dr. Wilder's idea, like I mentioned before. We had a for that event, we printed a slideshow of all her the artifacts she collected through the years because um, she let me, I went to her house a couple of times and she let me pr- uh, photograph all the different items that she had. And we had Dr. Lori Martin, who's a professor um, of African and African-American studies in Louisiana. She's from Nyack, but she teaches down there. And also Dr. Tracy Ann Williams. She's on the Toni Morrison Society and she has, she's also the assistant dean for student support and success at Fordham. And mod- Bill Batson, again, he moderated it. We discussed the role of the racist, sim- these racist symbols, which are like toys, like think of Aunt Jemima, that kind of thing, um, their role in, in American history. What made it so like important for me is that we planned it for so long and I was so worried that no one was going to show up, but we ended up having 47 people on um, back in January of 2020. And, and what was also cool was that they were all very eager to talk about it. We had a bunch of questions and, uh, and it, la- it lasted a, maybe two hours. It was a good long time. And it went better than I could have hoped. And I also think Dr. The doc, Dr. Martin and Dr. Williams and Bill are just really cool people. So it's just really interesting to hear them talk. Um, Morgan and I were saying that we want to be friends with Tracy Ann Williams because she's just really cool. <laughs> and also it was the last program I think I did before the pandemic. So it means something to me just in a different way as well. Yeah. In general, I feel like it can be very nerve wracking to have any kind of panel discussion because um you're sort of like really relying on the people in the panel and you're also relying on like the audience participation. Um, so I think that was really like a great way for you guys to like kick everything off. I really liked the Preston interview personally. I mean, I just thought that was so cool, but I mean, everything, I mean, even the, the Mount Moore, um, cause that was really just like a lot of like history and stuff. I mean, just re- so fascinating and just Rosemary, what was your favorite? I loved, well, I love both of those that you just mentioned, Georgia. I really enjoyed hosting the Ella Fitzgerald program. Uh, and I, I lucked out. I got to do it. I'm not sure why you couldn't do it, Tracy. Maybe you were working here, but it was a Saturday after. Yeah, it was a Saturday afternoon. Mize, I believe was his name. That's horrible. Yes. Yes. Yes, Thank you. He was, he, he was the presenter and he was, you know, incredibly enthusiastic about the topic, Ella Fitzgerald, be hard not to be, but it was, it was so much fun. He, he did a great job, like using music and, and slides and pictures and film clips. 
and it was a lot of like moving parts too. So I was really nervous about it, um, but it came off wonderfully. And uh, we had, I don't remember how many people, there was a lot of people there. It must've been like 70, 80. There were yeah. a lot of people. There were people from like, Chicago, people from all over the country were tuning in because they, they had re- uh, like a connection to Mize um, and knew about his book because he, he wrote a biography of Ella. So that was just really interesting and fun. But it was also I felt personally like satisfied because I managed to pull it off. <laughs> I managed to pull off hosting and like everything went so smoothly. So when it was done, it was just like you could just sit back and, and relax. And we got so much great feedback from that particular program. It was great. Yeah, that was the one that had a lot of buzz on Facebook. I remember people were very excited about it. Um, yeah, it got got a lot of posting and reposting as because I mean, Ella Fitzgerald is one of those those figures, like such a towering figure in American his, American musical history, American history in general. But she's someone that c- can appeal to just so many different age groups and people who like different kinds of music because she's just like mind boggling, like what she accomplished with her voice and her style and everything. Yeah, yeah I don't think the stats on Facebook have been that good since that month. <laughs> that was a really popular yeah, on Facebook. Okay, so Tracy, the pandemic happened like almost right after everything was planned and ready and set to go. So how, like, what was that like having to transition everything? Like, did anything get lost? We lose any programs after the pandemic? We did. I want to say a good chunk because it was like a lot. One of them was going to be a discussion with in the high school of um, what's that guy's name? He did this really great film about Hilburn, Joe Allen. Yes, Joe Allen. Yes. Yeah. We were going to do two, like one for adults and then one for teens actually in the school. That one ended up being, we got rid of that one, unfortunately. And then we were going to do a couple movie, movie um, viewings besides that one. And then I think also there was going to be a discussion with also with children. Like we're going to have, because we done something similar for American Creed a couple years previously where we had kids come and they would write like a poem or a story and then have adults and they would kind of do like a multi-generational discussion. We ended up having to not be able to do that as well, unfortunately. Um, it was kind of nerve wracking because we had to like, I remember Angela came to me and she's like, we have to revamp the whole thing because we can't do half of these programs. But it was also kind of, kind of fun. I think it kind of helped in a way because I feel like we came up with more in- inventive and more exciting program. Not, not exciting, but like more, more meat to them, I think, than what we had originally planned. So I think it in a way, the pandemic kind of helped and also helped us reach our our viewership more. Like I said, we tripled our expected um, audience, which was which was nice. Yeah, I mean, we might talk more about that later. But in general, the pandemic I think was kind of helpful in many ways for programs because it gave the opportunity for people who wouldn't normally be able to view or participate in our programs uh, the chance to do that, which was which was really cool. So the next thing that I think we could talk about, I mean, so. The pandemic happened and then obviously it was sort of a in the sense that a lot happened um, in many aspects of this world. So do you how do you think of this series like in light of a lot of the racial tensions and incidents that have happened over the past year in the wake of like the, you know, the, the George Floyd murder and the racial protests and just all everything that was going on, like it felt kind of like like a hotbed summer, you know? So like when all that was going on, like, did that, 
change the focus of the programs at all or did it change how you approached anything and like how do you think this series sort of like added to the conversation of race in general like you know in our community and just like in the broader sense yeah we ended up modifying it since we were revamping all the programs at the end we added more um, BIPOC voices and presenters we also made it more um I guess societal issues if you will we for example the um we added a program with uh, Phyllis Frank, who I believe, I'm not sure, I think she's still here. She's still at the Center for Safety and Change, as well as uh, Nikki Hines, who's also, who works there as well. Um, and they did like a, an hour long mini under um, doing racism program, which was, that was a really good one to, to participate in. We also changed, this was your idea, I think, Georgia. We changed the Band Books Week to add a video challenge to, we asked people to make a video of themselves reading sort of passages of any books or poem they felt that kind of empowered or kind of met the theme of combating racism. And we also ended up offering a second session of Through a Lens Darkly, which is a, a film that talks about- No, it's hard to describe. It's like, it was kind yeah. of about like, Im- like African-American imagery and photography. Yeah. That was interesting, yeah. Yeah, I thought I had a summary in there, but I guess not. Um, and we changed the, the prompt for the National Writing Month. That was something else that also changed because that was going to be in person where people would just come in and write. Instead, so we had it be a contest where people- talked about how they thought Toni Morrison would view the pandemic. But specifically, I want to talk about the, um, the Through Lens Darkly because we did it at first on May 7th and we had an audience of five people. And if you watch it, it's very, it's good, but it's very, it's more of like a academic type program. It's kind of like everyone's kind of having a good time laughing and it's, it's pretty, it's, it's more fun in nature. And then we did it again on um, June 19th, about a month after George Floyd's death. And it's, we had 118 people participate between being in the program and showing it at the same time online on Facebook. And it's a completely different tone. I think we ended up not really talking. We used like the theme of the film, but it was more about how people felt about George Floyd's death. And it was more about how we can, ways that we can kind of speak about what happened and change or protest for that kind of thing. It was a completely different, different tone. And I think it help people have an avenue to kind of talk about what was going on and how they felt. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that people like during that time were sort of looking for a way to rationalize everything that was going on in the world because it was just very intense and scary and stressful. And I, I felt like, okay, I'm really glad we have this series going on because it just, it just, everything took on completely like new importance. And I feel like, you know, we work in a library and I have this like overwhelming sense of like responsibility to educate people and to make every effort to um, make this world a better place. And a huge part of that is, you know, helping like marginalized groups of people. And this year, I feel like really highlighted that in the sense that the issue of like how we treat each other and, you know, like kindness towards others. And we're going through, I mean, a, a, pa- a global pandemic and just having all of these um, civil issues and social unrest. So I think that this was kind of a really great fitting way to do that as much as we could do it, because obviously the library was semi-closed, at least to people coming into the physical building. So yeah, I just thought that it was great to sort of like expand on everything that was going on in the real world. And I mean, I think it would be cool to do programs for other marginalized groups of people or just other cultures in general. I mean, I feel like this series is about like 
the past. And it's also about exploring like existing cultures and celebrating what's going on in our world and, and trying to reflect what is truly going on in our world. So yeah, I feel like we should try to do programs for other people too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was one of the original impetuses behind having an English language learning committee at the library, which has been, well, sort of active. It's, it's about to get a little more active, I think, now that we're opening up more. But we had this idea of like every quarter for each season, we would have at least one program that was built around um, celebrating and educating the community about different cultures or different groups of people that live in 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 Nyack and around Nyack. And I would still I'd love to get back to that. I mean, originally it was all going to be more of like music, dance, food, you know, film, books. So that really needs to have physical people physically together to pull it off. But we're we're getting there. I think that can happen again soon. Soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we also um one of the, the we mentioned this uh, program before, but we did add, I think, the new gym, the collaboration with Valley Cottage Library, where we discussed the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander in last September. I think that was added mm-hmm. in as well, like in response to partly in response. A lot of it had to do with the response to George Floyd Floyd's murder. But um, related to what you guys were saying, it's a you could have these programs that are obviously, you know, the new talking about the new Jim Crow or the under, undoing racism program, which are obviously very focused on that particular aspect or the that topic. But um, how talking about photographs or films or or music allows people to express their, you know, sense of anger, futility, hope, everything like uh, arts and culture are um, not just healing, but also a way to let out some of that energy. And I'm glad that the library was involved in that, being able to do that, because I think that's part of our mission. And I also think, I don't think of libraries as neutral zones. I know some people do, but I don't really, because you're thinking about libraries devoted to educating people, to teach critical thinking or to encourage critical thinking, to teach media literacy. That's part of our, our mission. I mean, obviously we, we circulate lots of materials from very diverse viewpoints, some of which, you know, you can agree with or not, but they're there for people to, to engage in. But um, I don't think, I, I think libraries have a real role to play in furthering the causes of social justice, whatever you want to put under that head thing. <laughs> um, that's part of the reason I wanted to work in one. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. It, it can be hard, though, because mm-hmm. there is a fine line between what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. Um, and obviously, it can be a really sensitive issue for a lot of people. So it's hard to find that middle ground of educating, but also uh, trying to remain who I don't know what the word is. It's like educating yeah. without. Yeah. Objective educating without judging, maybe. Mm, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it is, it is hard. It is very hard because everyone obviously has their own experiences they're coming from and just trying to listen to, that's one of the great things about hosting programs is just all the different voices you get to listen to. 
while you're doing it, if it goes well. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, it's very true. We, we have so many different programs and um, we all host various ones and it's sort of arbitrary as to which ones you wind up hosting. But sometimes I will be not really looking forward to a program because it's on a topic that I, I think I do not care about. Um, but then I always am so happy afterwards that I just listened and learned something. And it's just, it's always such a great experience to do that. Yeah. And I think you guys have created a nice, like diversity in your programming. It's like, we had like the uh, Native American music one. We have like, it can be like LinkedIn to Native American music. Cause if that, it's like, I like that there's like a large variety of the types of programs we have. That's all Rosemary. Oh, <laughs> that's one of my goals. I like doing that. It's more just more fun to, to see and just to see what people are going to be, be more engaged with, too, because you just don't know. You just don't know what people are looking for. Do you want to talk about Juneteenth a little bit? Sure. Juneteenth programs. So part of like the, the um, promotion part of our uh, our podcast. So um, this is the first year Juneteenth will be an official New York State holiday. And um, Tracy started us off with um, wanting, uh, thinking of uh, programs. I don't know if you thought of it as a series, Tracy, from the get-go or just one program or what, but you invited me to a meeting that you were having with Nikki Hines to discuss like collaborating on things. And then it became four, four programs altogether. And the first one's on June 10th with uh, Dr. Lori Martin, who's going to, Uh, talk about her book, The Ex-Slave's Fortune, which is a book about uh, Cynthia D. Hesdra, who was uh, an incredibly successful businesswoman during her lifetime and owned properties, I believe in Piermont, Nyack, New Jersey. She was an entrepreneur. She, uh, I don't know if she lived, she did live in Nyack for a while, I believe. I think so, yeah. Yeah. so that that's the first one, and Lori, Dr. Martin is going to uh, talk about Cynthia's life, and also you know, there'll be time for questions and answers, and and there's a free book involved. <laughs> if you sign up, you get a copy of the book, uh, which is also very cool. And then um, June fifteenth, there is a program. Or do you want to talk about June fifteenth? I don't want to just keep going no, on. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we have a program June fifteenth at about. Um, I'm going to mispronounce it. Mount Julian or Gulian? Gulian. Okay. My very Which... first job. Sorry. Oh, really? Oh, you work there? Oh, that's cool. I did not know. I that. had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Mount Gulian, uh, which is um, a historic site in Beacon, New York. And the, the program is about James F. Brown from Slave to Citizen. And uh, the presentation will be by Elaine Hayes, who's the executive director of Mount Gulian. And James F. Brown was a longtime resident of Dutchess County and an employee employee of the Verplank family. Um, so he was in, an enslaved person, and then yeah, he he was enslaved down south, and then mm-hmm. he escaped um, his down there and came up, and then he ended up purchasing his uh, his wife from the south as well, and they mm-hmm. ended up living in Beacon. And he was really big in the politics, and just like his diary is fascinating because it's like one of the only. African-American experiences during that time period that still remains in the area. Oh, he, yeah. He's a little dry, oh, but it's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you get that perspective that you wouldn't get in any other way. So there's going to be a video and there'll be a discussion and Q&A. And this is suitable for um, all ages, not just adults. 
And then the following night on the June 16th, we're going to, I'm pretty excited about this, the Urban Renewal and African-American Community in NIAC, Past, Present, Future, which is a panel discussion. And um, it's like touches, obviously involved in, with local history. And it's about like the urban renewal project that NIAC undertook in the 50s and 60s and specifically how it affected NIAC's African-American community. Um, although you can see the results in the downtown to this day, and it causes still causes a lot of uh, you know, comments and controversy. Uh, so this should be really interesting. Uh, it's a panel discussion. It's moderated by Owen Vutsinus Close. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. But <laughs> I should have found out how to say his name beforehand, um, including Bill Batson and Wynne Perry of the Nyack Historical Society, along with I believe two other community uh, community members, Nye community members who were directly affected by this displacement at the time. And hopefully it will, we're hoping that it, in addition to finding out more about what happened then, it will lead to conversation among the attendees about continued gentrification and just a vision for what people want NIAC to be in now and in the future. Isn't that and, what I'm, um, oh. But, no, it's um, okay. Go. The supervisor, um, Kenny, Kenny, Teresa, Teresa Kenny, Teresa um, Kenny. Yeah. Didn't she say that like that was her second most? What she thought was the biggest issue facing Orangetown was what people development. Think, yeah. What people yeah. Think should happen. Yes. Yeah. That is huge. If you spend any time on social media or just talk to any people who've lived here for a, a while, there's even. I mean, I have only lived here for eighteen years. <laughs> it's a huge hot topic and. Uh, it should be, I'm, I'm hoping it'll lead to a passionate, spirited discussion that's also very respectful of everyone's point of view because there's a lot of point of views out there about it. Um, and then on June 26th, this is going to be a live program, uh, Juneteenth celebration at Hezekiah Easter Park in downtown Nyack, which is also known as Veterans Memorial Park. It's the gazebo on Main Street, Saturday, June 26th at 2 p.m. Uh, there will be snacks, <laughs> free snacks. Uh, and the main event is a West African dance company, a local company of, uh, called Chiku Awali of African Dance Arts and Culture Incorporated. They're going to teach, I believe, talk about a couple of West African, specific West African dances and teach the crowd how yeah. to do. Yes. <laughs> and there'll be a drummer, right? Is it two people? Yeah, one two person, people from the company. Yeah, are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of, because of the pandemic, unfortunately, they haven't been yeah, able yeah. to practice together as a group. So we're we're doing sort of a more stripped down version. But I'm very excited about that. And there might we're hoping that there'll be some special guest speakers to be determined um, before that date. So keep checking the website for more information. Oh, yeah. If you're interested in any like of the past programs or the current ones, if you go to the website under um, events, either go under grants and that ha that has the two um, backup pro programs we've had if you're curious about any of our other programs. Okay, um, this might seem a little bit off topic, but we kind of want to take the opportunity to talk on this podcast about the pandemic and what the past year was like specifically for this library. Um, obviously things changed drastically. You could not just walk into the library anymore. This sort of used to 
be like a community space. And that went away, at least in the physical sense, although virtually we were very much here. I don't know if everybody knew that. I think that some people thought and were angry and thought that, oh, well, you know, if you're, you know, you're a public library, shouldn't you be available for us? Um, but we were available by phone, by email. We transitioned basically immediately, right, Rosemary, to, to virtual programming. We were able to do that so fast. And honestly, I feel successfully, like right away, everything kind of went very smoothly, which I thought was great. Um, I feel like the one thing that I wish we could have done more is obviously because we were not here, we sort of lost out on a lot of the population that we normally serve, people who don't have access to computers or cell phones or social media. Um, And I think that we lost a lot of, we, we lost a lot of the things that we who work at the library rely on because it makes us feel good to help people and to work with Mm. people. And that sort of went away. Mm. Um, And that, I mean, I know that was hard for me personally to feel that way. I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you guys the opportunity to talk a little bit and for me to talk about what the pandemic was like. uh, And I guess like what we want people to know about the library and the pandemic. I think it was like, we were. I think you'd mentioned it in your notes, George, a little bit. It was, it was a crazy time and I think in some way it helped us like it helped us I think take the time to reassess the way we were doing things and to come up with new inventive ways to maybe change it or keep it but like you know add things to certain like this podcast I don't think we would have done this two years ago or a year ago at all I think it just gave us time to think about new ways to reach people but yeah I agree I do think I wish I'm not sure how, but I wish there was we could have figured out a way to reach some of the people that I think we aren't reaching right now. The people who don't realize that we're still around doing programs or the people who don't have access to computers. But I think we were relatively successful, I think. I mean, especially because like you guys had just started the program department, what, a month before? So I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah, I think we started officially. I started the very beginning of January. And so we had... Um, about two and a half months and everything had uh, a lot of the spring that had already been put together. Like we weren't adding a lot of programs. It was sort of just getting our feet wet and like connecting with the different presenters and introducing ourselves to them basically either, either in person or via email and getting used to the room reservation stuff and all that. And then it just like ended <laughs> a screeching halt. I think it was what March 13th or 14th yeah. yeah yeah but then we buy I think the first program we hosted virtually which was with Mickey Beloy who's going to be back <laughs> in the summer she's wonderful it was um I think it was April 6th which seems when I look back on it now and I I remember like I felt those those first two or three weeks especially between like when we closed and when the first program happened I feel like I worked harder than I'd ever worked at any job. I probably shouldn't say this on the record, but it's true. I, I, I just felt like, all, I because it wasn't even just when I was sitting in front of my laptop at home, it was like constantly thinking of ways to do programs virtually and learning Zoom and stuff, but just thinking of ways to connect with people because obviously we couldn't in our usual way and not just with programs, but with videos and contests and 
um, anything I could think of. And I just making obsessive lists of everything. I, I kept this little notebook, which I, which is going to be in my little time capsule of all, like I'd wake up in the morning and I'd make a list of all the things I wanted to try to do, or just so I didn't forget them because part of it was, it was good to have work to focus on because otherwise you could get engulfed with sadness and anxiety. And I was certainly, I think was anxious, but I had this mission <laughs> and we had, I could, we did, had our own meetings that we, you know, connected with each other through. And that was another interesting part of it was getting to know some people on staff that, cause I've worked here for almost 11 years, people that obviously I knew them a little bit, but they worked in different departments. So I didn't get to know them on a more personal level and something about everyone being in this horrible situation together lets people's guards down in a different way. You get a different sense of people and how they cope with stress and their senses of humor. And so that was also pretty positive. I think it's weird to talk about positive, positive things happening while so many people were, you know, suffering, but um, it is true. I like, I agree with both of you that it, it made us think, you know, outside the box for lack of a better term. Um, and also being a naturally introverted person, it learning how to host programs on Zoom. Was, I was, you know, I was nervous at first because it was also like, what if something goes wrong while I'm doing it tech, with the tech stuff? But um, I felt much more, and being at home doing it, I felt much more relaxed and um, much more relaxed than I would be like having to get up in front of a group of people with a microphone and introduce them and, and moderate and stuff like that. And it also, I mean, obviously part of my job is community outreach, community engagement. So I was going to be making connections, whether the pandemic happened or not, but I almost feel like it, it uh, acted as a catalyst. It made it, made people want to connect, like people in the community who were inclined to and didn't have too much, you know, family obligations to deal with, to want to connect faster and more often and I don't know if I'm explaining it right. Like people's guards were down, mm -hmm. I think. And everyone was in the, in the same boat pretty much, you know, everyone was worried. Everyone was scared. Um, but I got to know a lot of people like local business people and people who run other nonprofits in town and different community members. Like I think in a more, in a fast, I don't know if I'm putting this correctly, but like, more quickly than I would have, I think, otherwise. It was much more intense. Plus, like, oh, sorry. I don't no, that's okay. That's okay. That was pretty much what I, what I wanted to say. It was like, it was like the, the lockdown was like made everything speed up in a weird way, even as time seemed to slow down <laughs> while we were doing it. I think being on Zoom, too, like, helped people to connect more because we would, you'd have, all these meetings with different organizations and it was easy just to get on zoom as opposed to, I think if it had been in person, you know, it takes a while to have a meeting. People don't show, you know, it's like, it's harder to, in some ways it's easier to connect on zoom. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. So yeah, I, I agree. It, it helped me yeah. at least personally get to know people a lot better and a lot. Um, like you said, people let their guard down some more. Like, yeah. You see, just the fact that you're seeing people in their homes is an interesting thing, you know, and people are just more relaxed at home. You know, we were wearing our comfy clothes and, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And it, like I said, like being someone who gets really nervous getting up in front of people, it was, 
it was sort of a godsend in a weird way. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I, you know, certainly suffer from zoom fatigue, but um, I also feel like it's a great tool and I'm, you know, thinking about having live programming, which we're starting to talk about. Like, I know that we won't get as many people to come to certain things. It's just not, it's, it's going to, so I, did, I have to adjust my expectations, I think. If nothing else, because you have to park a car to get <laughs> in Nyack to go, to come to a, to come to a program. Um, that's sometimes enough deterrent for people not to show up. So we shall see. I'm going to, I'm going to be positive, but yeah. it's going to be an adjustment, just like the yeah. huge adjustment, in, you know, back last March. It's it's more gradual adjustment here because we don't know quite what's going to happen. It's not like one day we're going to wake up and everything's going to be back to normal, quote unquote. Um, but I think uh, I think the new normal it's not going to be the same. We're we're still going to do virtual programming as well as live stuff because mm-hmm. I think it would be crazy not to. <laughs> honestly, I agree. So yeah, so I guess to sort of like wrap up. Um, I just want to say that this past year has been crazy for everybody. And I'm very thankful that I work with the people that I work with. And I think that we need to learn to be kind to ourselves. And honestly, I want to, I feel like Tracy, you deserve a huge shout out for the Bacchus program. Obviously, Rosemary, so do you. So does everybody who was involved. Um, But just in light of everything that happened over the past year, I felt like it was like the answer to a lot of things that I personally was feeling and that everybody was feeling. Um, It was just almost like the perfect time to have these programs. Um, And it should always be the perfect time. I think this is something that we're obviously going to continue. And um, I don't know. I just think that it's amazing. I think you deserve a round of applause. Um, I just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean that we should like pat ourselves in the back too much, but I just think that, uh, it was an amazing project that you took on and implemented. And I hope that it continues to go well. I hope that people appreciate all of your efforts and our efforts. Um, so yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. And to, to continue with the patting on the back, Tracy did receive the, um, Schubert award for program of the year through, uh, Nyla. So for Bacchus. Thanks, guys. But well I deserved. <laughs> a lot of help. <laughs> but thank you. Um, okay, so uh, our next episode, our June episode, um, is a little bit not quite up in the air. So uh, June is Pride Month, and we wanted to do something a little bit different for that uh, for that episode. So we are going to be having a book discussion based around a LGBTQIA plus book. Um, we haven't decided on the book yet, so this might be edited later on, but we are going to be doing a book discussion and we will announce it as soon as we know what the book is going to be. Uh, so I think we felt that that would be a great way to talk about the topic in, um, to sort of come at it from a different angle. And plus, obviously, we love books. We work at a library, so we want to talk about a book and do a book discussion because it's so much fun. or I think it's so much fun. Um, so yeah, so that is what our next episode is going to be in June. So stay tuned. And you can reach us on a, a social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Nyack Library. We're also on Facebook, also under the Nyack Library. You can just go to our regular web, website, nyacklibrary.org. 
YouTube, um, NIAC Library from Home. And that's where, like we were saying, has all our, most of our program recordings are on there. Or you can email us at info at NIAClibrary.org. So thank you for listening. Again, I am Georgia. I'm Rosemary. And I'm Tracy. Thanks for listening to episode eight of Papercut. <laughs> We did it. And we're done! <laughs>